Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. We're going to start a new series today uh, on Ephesians and we're going to hit the grounds running. In fact, we're going to hit the ground at full sprint. So if you've got your Bible, go to Ephesians 1. Uh, Kirby is very kindly doing the words for this morning, so he will put those up for us as well. Brilliant. Nice one, Kirby. Uh, And I'm going to read, we're going to read verses 1 to 14, then we're going to work our way through them together. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace from which he has blessed us in the Beloved. Take a breath and then keep going. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, things on earth. Take a breath. Keep going. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of of his glory. Right, we could spend w- literally weeks on each verse on that. It's an incredible passage. And it was written by a gentleman called Paul, and he was writing to a church in Ephesus, or at least probably a group of local churches around there. And he planted that church in Ephesus and uh, spent the best part of three years there, if you read in Acts, kind of bringing that church to life, working hard there. And he is writing to them later on, and he wants them to know how blessed they are. Okay, now, blessed is a funny word, so let's just think about the word blessed for a moment. We have ruined the word blessed in English. It has become a pity word. I don't know if you know, it's you say, oh, bless them, which usually means you're feeling pity for them, bless them. Or it becomes a social media word. <coughs> we talk about how well life is going and all the good things that are happening to us and then hashtag blessed that we are. Or it's descriptive <coughs> of things that are outside of our control, perhaps of how good life is. You'll think about things like things are going well, I feel blessed at the moment. Or you might think, actually, things are not going very well, as can happen in life. And you might be thinking, why is God not blessing me? Why, why is this not happening to us at the moment? 
And so in those things, the word kind of has lost its force, lost its power. It has lost the sense of undeserved favour, the giving of gifts that aren't deserved. And really it's a word that describes what God does to us and for us. That's what it is to be blessed. So how should God bless us? What should we expect? Should I expect really quite a lot of money? Should I expect that sort of good fortune? Every kind of uh, attempt on the stock exchange just goes well. Every investment goes good. Money comes to me. Perhaps I should expect a car. I should be blessed with a car. Or perhaps I should be guaranteed good health. If you get poorly, you think, <coughs> I'm a Christian. Why am I poorly? That's not right. I should expect good health from God. Vic, could you get me a glass of water? Is that all right? <coughs> Sorry. But actually, we need to remember, Paul is writing to churches. He's writing to a church like us, okay? Maybe a, a few thousand years ago, their clothes may have been different and they wouldn't have had a PA, uh, which is good for them because they wouldn't have to set it up. But they were still normal people, normal lives, very ordinary, ordinary successes, ordinary failures, just like us. Thanks very much. And what he wants for them is not for them to think, yes, everything should go well. That's what it means to be blessed. That's not what he means. He wants maturity in them. That's what he's going for. And he says at the beginning, he describes them. He says, look, this is who I'm writing to. The saints who are in Ephesus. So the Christians in this town, the Christians of Manchester, and they, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. The saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So he is writing to faithful saints. So he's writing to you. You, me, us. And he wants them to get blessings. So let's think about this. Verse 3. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. He uses the word blessed like three times in that. He blesses God and then describes how we are blessed because of that. It's because God is so good, he pours out blessing on us. And he wants them to get, look, blessing affects every part of your life. It changes who you are, it deals with your past and it resets your future. And Paul calls these the spiritual blessings. Okay, that's what he's describing, saying, you are blessed because God changes who you are, deals with your past, resets your future. Actually, these are really very, very important for us. Okay, not just for a few thousand years ago, but for 2022, for life in Manchester, in all that's going on in the world at the moment. Actually, these are vital things for us to get. And not just head knowledge, okay? Not, we, Christians aren't just brains on sticks. We know stuff and then just carry on with life regardless. Actually, it's for things that go on in our heart and change how we behave as well. We sometimes turn Paul, especially when we read passages like this in Ephesians, we turn him into this great intellect, perhaps like a religious scholar, someone who's been at universities and just written lots of books. But actually, he was a church planter. He was a pastor. He ran his own business as well. We know that. He had to make tents to provide a living for himself. He travelled lots. He was an apostle. He experienced some pretty extreme difficulties. Got shipwrecked, uh, which is not a good day at the office, that's for sure. He was betrayed. He experienced ill health. Did numbers of times in jail. Really, things were difficult for him. And when he wrote, like we said, he wrote to real people. 
So a couple of things just to understand uh, blessing, and then we'll pick out these, these three spiritual blessings. The first thing is, when he says uh, you're blessed, he's talking to the whole church. So it's not just individuals. He said, we he blessed us. God blessed us. Now, in the, the modern West, we often can talk about our faith in quite individualistic terms, can't we? You talk about myself as a Christian, my faith. Sometimes you might even talk about my church that I go to. And it's, we think about it in quite, you know, it's between me and God's. Actually, he's writing to a group and really is saying, we work this all out together. Now, obviously, that has individual impacts, but we don't do these things on our own. We're not meant to read this and then just go off on life and work this out in isolation. We work it out together. And he also says it's in Christ. So to be blessed is corporate, and it's, we are blessed because we are in Christ. And what does he mean by that? Very simply, the result of you giving your life to G Jesus, saying, Jesus is the Lord of my life. He is the King of my life. He is in charge. I put down all other gods. I worship the Lord Jesus. And at that moment, you find yourself in Christ. Now, if you don't consider yourself a believer, you might be listening to this and thinking, well, that's not me. Well, actually, we need to hear this even more. I really want you to hear this. So we celebrated Easter last week. We had a fantastic Good Friday service here. Uh, and then we had our Easter Sunday as well. So we remember Jesus' death on Good Friday, but then we celebrate him coming back to life on Easter Sunday. We declare on Easter Sunday that Jesus is alive. But every day is Easter Sunday. Good Friday is once a year, but every day is Easter Sunday. As followers of Jesus, every day we live as Jesus is alive. That's what we say. That's how our faith makes sense. That's where the purpose is. So this letter from Paul to this church is helping them, saying, look, this is how we live like Jesus is alive, because he is alive. And he explains, look, if you follow Jesus, this is what happens. This is how you are blessed. Okay, so how does this work? Well, the first thing he says, that these spiritual blessings is your identity is changed. So verses 4, 5, and 6, he says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Uh, what he's saying there, your identity has changed. When you follow Jesus, you are brought into his family. You are adopted, is the language he uses. When you give your life to Jesus, you become a son or daughter of God the Father. It's like your surname changes. Who you are, what you belong to, your identity changes in that moment. We become known by the new family that we are part of. And actually, in the modern world, uh, identity is a very big deal. Where we get our identity from, who gets to say what their identity is, how it's formed. But actually, it is formed by the family that we are part of. By the fact that God is our Father. And adoption is a, is a very big deal in this. As Paul explains it, at this point in history, adoption was a huge deal. Uh, I read recently about one of the Roman emperors. The, the Roman emperor, actually, who was uh, emperor when Jesus uh, was walking the earth. Uh, and he adopted grown men 
so that he could have heirs. He didn't trust his own kids, so he adopted grown men. And it was very much part of uh, the Roman way of doing things. And really it means we are made part of the family, aren't we? But we take on the family identity. We are made, as Paul describes, holy and blameless. That is the family identity. So I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, I convinced myself that I would never be like my parents. I don't know if that ever happened to you when they annoyed you in some way or wouldn't let you do the thing that you wanted to do. Uh, I would be like, oh, I'm never going to be like them. I'll let my kids do whatever they like, which clearly did not happen. Uh, And actually, I got on well with my parents. I had a good relationship with them, still do. But I still swore I'm never going to be like them. And yet, slowly but surely, over the years, I find myself gradually becoming more like my mum and dad. Uh, and it's, there's an inevitability to it, actually. Now, for some of us, with our earthly family, that's a good thing. You might think, I don't mind my mum and dad, that's fine. For others of us, that's a terrifying prospect. Because our parents may have been absent, so we have no idea. Our parents may have been terrible, and you think, I do not want to be like that. And actually, regardless of your earthly family situation, Paul says, look, Jesus changes your identity. Jesus puts you into his family. You are adopted in. What does that mean? What is your new surname? Your new surname is holy and blameless. That's what he makes you. So that is our first spiritual blessing. Your identity is changed. The second one is that he deals with your past. That is a blessing. It says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Jesus blesses by dealing with us as he finds us, by dealing with our past. And actually, as Paul writes this, in his mind, he is thinking about the great Jewish story. Paul was Jewish, and it was always in his mind. That was the Exodus where God freed Israel, the people of God, out of slavery in Egypt. So Israel was under the control of an empire, an evil emperor, and a, an awful emperor who wanted to keep them in slavery, have not just cheap labour, but free labour, to keep them captive, to exploit them. That was their situation. And Paul has this in mind. And he sees the people of God going through the Red Sea and escaping, being led by God into safety, so that they could find their true purpose, which was to be God's people and so that's what he says about us actually that Jesus blood his death on the cross does a similar thing but a much greater thing it removes us from underneath the power of the empire removes us from slavery from the control of sin and death and means we can have our true purpose which is to worship God and that freedom that forgiveness actually is a present reality for us it's not just something we think, oh, I'm forgiven, and it's kind of like a, a statement in law. So I did something wrong, and now I have a certificate. But actually, it deals with our hearts, deals with what is going on within us, enables us to live life in forgiveness, knowing that we are forgiven. We can now live as people, actually, who are free from sin and death. Not just knowing it in our heads, but actually, it changes how we behave. We no longer live under the rule of sin, we live under the rule of God's. That previous lifestyle is put at the foot of the cross. A friend of mine 
when he was, uh, he was uh, kind of at school and then at university, was a very big drinker. I mean, he was a power drinker, and he also slept around lots as well. Uh, and he was very popular. He was a bit of a lad, really good at sport, just one of those guys. But actually, his life was chaos. And then uh, in that town, there was a church, and uh, a friend of, another friend of ours took him along to church, and he was powerfully saved, actually. God's <coughs> dealt with his past, and it called him out of the worship of his lifestyle and made him a follower of Jesus changed his drinking, many stopped sleeping around, actually became someone who was committed to church, got involved, and he became a worshipper of God. <coughs> My friend completely changed how he lived. By effort, by energy, there was some effort, but actually it was because he was redeemed, because he was forgiven. He knew that he now lived under a new rule. It was no longer under the rule of sin. So spiritual blessing gives us new identity, puts in a new family, but deals with our past as well. Doesn't just leave us as we are. And then the third spiritual blessing is it resets our future. So he says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things, things in heaven and things on earth. Okay, so, God blesses us with purpose. Uh, not our purpose, not the things necessarily that, that we long to do and want to do, though he sometimes uses those, but actually our purpose as a people, collectively, that this is what we are called to. When you are in Christ, when you say, he is my Lord, he is my Saviour, he brings us in and says, right, this is what we get to do together. And how does he describe it? He says, to unite all things in Jesus. Which is quite a strange way of describing things, isn't it? What's your purpose? Well, to unite in things, all things in Jesus in heaven and earth. And you might think, well, that's, that's a bit grand. How do we even do that? Well, actually, Jesus taught us to pray this. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we pray. We are to be part of Jesus' way of doing things, of living life, of being a human. That's what his kingdom is. That's what we are called into doing, in to somehow, as we live life, we bring heaven to earth a tiny bit. Now, you might find yourself wondering, what, what am I meant to do with my life? Am I called to do anything specifically? What, what does God want me to do? And sometimes and that you can think that in any number of difficult situations, the, the things that happen in life, uh, within work or in family, you think, God, what do you want me to do in this moment? It's a difficult thing. Or perhaps it's a more longer-term thing. What, what am I meant to do? And the answer is always actually very simple. God wants you to live like Jesus to do your best to, to copy the family that you are part of, to be obedient to him. And then as we do that, we actually begin to unite all things in Jesus. Actually, we begin to make earth a little bit like heaven, maybe step by step, but we do. And then finally, Paul helps us with these blessings. As I was reading through this, I was like, wow, this is, this is intense. There's a lot here for me to get my head around. It almost feels like there's a, a lot that I should be doing. I think, oh, maybe I need to work a bit harder at this. But actually, Paul says a different thing. 
He says, look, when you heard the word of truth, gospel of your salvation, when you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Okay, he's the guarantee of our inheritance when we, we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So how does he describe us to this church in Corinth? He's saying, look, your identity has changed, your past is dealt with, your future has a new trajectory, but not only that, how does this all happen? Because you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's all achieved by the work of the Holy Spirit in you. This is not a call to try harder. Paul is not a motivational speaker. This is not a self-help book that he has sent to them. He's not even saying, look, you just need to try harder to run after Jesus. Actually, he's explaining, this has already happened to you, all of these things. If you believe in Jesus, if you follow him, this has already been given to you. It's a true blessing. Now, recently, we've uh, talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. We've done a few series on those and talked about the spiritual gifts and, uh, for example, how we use prophetic gifting or speaking in other languages or praying for the sick. And all of those are, are vital and important. But all of those things come after this, actually, that the Holy Spirit is at work in you. Even you, all this morning as we're sat here, the Holy Spirit is at work in you so that the spiritual blessings actually are within you, that they get hold of you, that they actually turn you into this faithful saint that Paul described. Jesus doesn't call us to obey a list of instructions and then send us out with, like, hope for the best. Okay, you, you, you lot are Christians, just do the best you can, and at the end of time I'll come back and we'll see where we're up to. Actually, no, he sends the Holy Spirit to actually do this work within us, to change the nature of who we are, to make us slowly but surely more like the Father, more like the Son, by the work of the Holy Spirit.